thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kelts. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Our emotions, we've been talking about our feelings, we've been talking about how we are people that have emotions, we are emotional beings, we have a soul in our soul, that's where our feelings are, and we've been talking about how we need to get to a place where we're not allowing our negative emotions to be the boss of us. Because at all times, every day, these negative emotions are competing for control of our lives. They're competing for control of our mouths, right? They're competing for control of our moods. And we've been saying this every week, and I know the first part of it, it kind of may seem redundant, but you hear it every week, and it just starts to get inside of you. And what happens is during the week, when it starts competing for control of your mouth and you're just about to say something, all of a sudden you start to remember and you start to maybe transform your mind and you change what's about to come out of your mouth. You don't allow those negative emotions to take control. Has that been happening to anybody maybe? Give me a shout out. There you go. That's what we've been praying for. That's what we've been looking for, to, to edify you, to build you up, to help mature you and to help grow you each week so that you can get to a place because what will happen is these negative emotions, once they control your mood, once they control your mouth, they become the rudder for your life. And that becomes a direction that you don't want your relationship to go to. It becomes a direction you don't want your life to go to. You're taking your kids a place, your marriage a place, your relationship, your finances, all these places you don't want to go. And so what we do is we start to put the rudder that we want on it. Amen? Amen. Led by the Spirit of God, we start to do these things. And last week, we, we talked about allowing a positive emotion to start to be our boss. And if you were here, you remember that positive emotion that we talked about was joy. Everybody say joy. Joy, joy to the world, right? Joy. Joy. You got to say joy with a smile, right? You got to have a smile on your face. You got to. We're going to talk about that a little more today. We, I showed you when Jesus was, he was really preparing his disciples for the, the biggest and hardest experience they were ever about to go through. And, and he says many things to them. And, and then at the end of it, in John chapter 15, 33, John tells us he was there. He heard this. He says, I heard it when Jesus told this. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have, well, let me look at John 15, 11. He said, I told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. That's what we talked about last week, how our joy is going to overflow in any and every situation. Now let's go to continue what he said in John chapter 16, because today we're going to talk about cheer. It's kind of like joy. It's a lot like joy. It's just another level. Everybody say it's another level. Another 
We're going to talk about cheer, and I'll go to that one. John chapter 16, verse 33. I'll put that up on the screen for you. Jesus said this, and John tells us. He says, these things I have spoken to you. So just like he said last week, I've told you these things. He's saying it again. I've told you these things because these guys are about to face Jesus' death, okay? The hardest thing that they ever, ever are going to face because, guys, they didn't believe that he was going to die. They thought Jesus was going to march into the city, and he was going to be the king of all the kings. And in a, like a military stand, he would lead their people, the Jewish people, to overthrow the Roman government. And no longer would they be under the oppression of Rome anymore. That's what they thought was happening. And Jesus says, no, something's different about to happen. You're going to go through the hardest thing of your life. And he says, I've told you these things, verse 33, that in me you may have peace. And then he says this, in the world you will have trouble. So he says, it's coming. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You will have trouble. But in the same sentence, he says this, but be of good cheer. Like, like that don't fit, Jesus. That don't fit with what you just said. And then he says this. Why? Why should, we, why should we have cheer? He says, for I have overcome the world. Amen. That's good news. Amen. That's good news. Why? Why should we have cheer in any and every situation and whatever that we're going through? That's what we're going to talk about today, how to be able to allow cheer to be the boss of you, because I'm telling you, it's not going to be a place where this emotion is dictated by your circumstance. That's not how it has to be. You see, Jesus says, be of good cheer. Why? Because I have already overcome everything that you're going to face. Do you ever feel like a negative mood is rising up inside of you? I know that we all do. You ever feel anxiety rising up? You ever feel depression just just coming over you? I mean, and you're just like, it, it seems like all the worries of the world, it seems like pressure is just coming over you. And, and this is the moment that Jesus would say to you in that moment, hey, be of good cheer. Yeah. And it's like, that kind of gets on my nerves. <laughs> That's kind of not what I want to hear right now. Because... Because what do you mean be a good cheer? I mean, I, I don't understand why are you saying that. Look at the grumpy person next to you and say, cheer up. Cheer Come on, say cheer up. cheer up. See, listen, I want to preach and teach you guys today how to give yourself a cheer up, check up. Because if you've been wandering around in anxiety, in depression, if you last week, like we talked about, if you've been wandering around acting like an orchid, if you don't know what that means, go watch the sermon from last week, okay? God needs you to be an oak tree. Your family needs you to be an oak tree, okay? That's what we're looking for. And, and so we need to be able to find a way to have a cheer-up checkup. And I have some good news for you guys today because the doctor is in. The doctor's in the house. And I'm not the doctor, okay? Jesus is the doctor, and he's going to teach us how to give a cheer-up checkup because Jesus said... Be of good cheer. And it's a command. It's like he tells them, be of good cheer. He says, cheer up. The, the, the word in Greek is tharseo. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Tharseo. Everybody say tharseo. 
And tharseo is translated, be of good cheer. It's translated, uh, be of good comfort or to take courage. And, and Jesus says this several times in his ministry as he's walking with the disciples. He says this not only to disciples, but, but to other people along the road of his life. This is not the first time that he says it. This is the last time that he says it. He says it right before he goes to the cross. And this really is a tough locker room speech that he's giving to the boys. Because they're going into the battle. They're going into the game. And he's saying, guys, we're going into this fight and we are going to lose. But cheer up. Right? Cheer up because it's, it's not going to be over. We're really going to win in the end. At halftime, it's going to look like we're losing all the way. Our opponent is going to be throwing a victory party. But when all of that happens... And you feel like nothing worse can happen, and you feel anxiety, and you feel depression coming up. He says, cheer up, for I have overcome everything that you're about to face. Be of good cheer. He says, thar sail. Now, if he said, be of good cheer, that leads me to conclude, because he said, good cheer, that leads me to conclude that there's such a thing as bad cheer. Think about that for a second. There is such a thing as bad cheer, and I want to talk about that for a moment, because bad cheer is a cheer that is simply a sedative for your symptoms instead of a solution that addresses your real needs. And we're going to talk about, you, you're, going to, you're going to realize what bad cheer is, because we all settle for bad cheer instead of good cheer. We all settle for a substitute. The problem with bad cheer is it's temporary. The problem with bad cheer is once you go for that, that simple quick fix, it's temporary. And it actually, it makes you feel good for a second, but then it makes you feel worse afterwards. And, and, and listen, we don't want that kind of cheer, right? We want, we want the good stuff. Look at your neighbors and say, I want the good stuff. I want that Tharseo stuff that Jesus is talking about. I want the stuff that can keep you courageous while my Savior is hanging dead on a cross. We want that kind of stuff that shines like a light in the darkness. We want the good stuff. All over the Bible, you can read about cheer, and I went and did a little studying, okay? Now, this last week, I, I ran across something in the Old Covenant, and in the Old Covenant law, this is, this, is pretty, this is pretty crazy, but check this out. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. In Deuteronomy, this was for Jews under the Old Covenant, but check this out. This was a law for them. Deuteronomy 24, chapter 5 says this. When a man has taken a new wife. So if you're married today, think about when you are newlywed, you just took that new wife. This is the command. This is the law in that day. He shall not go out to war. So that, that's kind of good news. Neither shall he be charged with any business. So you can't even work. You can't even do no business. But listen to this. He shall be free at home for one year. Everybody say one year. One year. For one year and shall cheer up his wife, which he has taken. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> Woo. Man. Patrick, can you imagine? No other things to do, but just, I mean, just uh, uh, cheering Amanda up every day. That's your job. 
man. I'm talking, man. I, baby, I got your cheer. I'm going to cheer you up. I'm everything I can do to bring you cheer. Oh, Patrick is here. It's a year of cheer. <laughs> right? That's your job. Listen, I mean, I, 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 I can tell you, I mean, I do pretty good at this just, you know, as a hobby. Man, if it was my full-time job, man, Lisa wouldn't know what to do. I'm telling you, I, this is, actually, she probably kicked me out after two weeks. But <laughs> Jesus says, <laughs> he says, be of good cheer. He makes a command. He says, you will have trouble, but I command you, have cheer. Be of good cheer. Now, how can you command somebody to feel something? That would, a lot of people would say, you can't tell me how to feel. You can't command me how to feel, how say you to be in cheer. I can't help how I feel, right? Well, well, can you? Maybe there's something more to it. See, one time, the Apostle Paul, you remember him? The Apostle Paul was on a ship as a prisoner for not doing anything bad, but just carrying the gospel across the region. He's a prisoner on a ship. A storm comes up. He's with other prisoners. It's so bad that the storm breaks apart the boat. It's sinking. They're all fearing for their lives. And so you can only imagine what these other prisoners are yelling out. All kinds of words. Probably not help me, God. Probably blankety blank blank blank. Oh, blankety blank blank. And what does Paul yell out in the middle of what's going on in Acts chapter 27, verse 25? It's recorded. He says this. I'll read it out of the King James Bible just to kind of make it a little bit funny. He says, wherefore, sirs, I challenge you to start a sentence this week with that. That's going to make for interesting conversation. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. They're, they're, they're dying. Be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me. But Paul, that doesn't line up with my situation. I'm dying. I've never been in such despair. I've never been in so much anxiety. Can you have good cheer in bad circumstances? Can you have good cheer in problematic predicaments? Yes. Paul and Jesus would both say, yes, you can. And that's why we're going to learn how to do a cheer up, check up today. See, Paul is standing on the ship and he's saying, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. This thing ain't over. I have control over my emotions. They don't have control over me. Is this not what Jesus was saying? I've told you things so that you will be filled with my joy, even though you're going through the toughest circumstance that you've ever faced, that my joy would overflow in you. But pastor, what about if the other stuff is overflowing in my life? What about if, if, if my boat's taken on water? Well, this is the heart of Jesus. This is the heart of Paul. This is the message of the gospel, that you can be of good cheer in a bad situation. Come on, somebody. Help me preach today. Listen, I I went through, and I looked every time. I looked up every time 
that Jesus said, Varseo, be of good cheer. Can I tell you what I found? He never said, be of good cheer on a sunny day. Not one time. Why? He never said it at a happy time because you don't need to tell people to be of good cheer when everything's going good. Right? That's just a byproduct, right? It's not healthy. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. It's not the time when the circumstances are going in your favor in life that you need some good cheer. Then the cheer just comes with the package, right? Then the cheer is just there. It's part of the experience. But there is another kind of cheer. Come on, there's a tharseo. There is a good cheer, a cheer that is not circumstantial that you and I can have in our life and it can be the boss of us. One time the disciples were rowing in a boat in a storm. They were afraid and all of a sudden they saw a ghost approaching them. And then Jesus says, don't be afraid. What did he say? Tharseo, be of good cheer. But Jesus, I'm afraid I've never been in a situation before. Be of good cheer. That's when you need good cheer. But, but I've, I've never been here before where all the finances are piling up like this, and we have so much debt, Jesus, and I've never seen this type of personal hurricane before. What does Jesus say? Tharseo, be of good cheer. I don't want you to have good cheer because of the situation that you're in. Jesus says, I want you to have good cheer because of who just stepped into your situation. Tharseo. And I want to confess to you that it's really easy for me to give you guys this advice. It is. It's so easy, but it, I found that taking this advice seems to be a lot more challenging. Right? It, it's true. I, I, I give some good advice. I've been doing it for years. I mean, that's what I do as a pastor. I'm good at helping others see that the cup is it's not half empty. Come on. It's half full, brother. I mean, Tharsale, my brother, be of good cheer because I'm not in the circumstance that my brother is going in. But wait till I get a little thirsty. Then all of a sudden, that cup starts looking a little half empty, right? It's easy to say the cup is half full when I'm standing under a waterfall, but let me get in a desert for a minute, and all of a sudden, things, things don't, don't seem the same. You know, it's easy for me to tell people all these little cliches like, hey, look on the bright side, brother. I mean, you still got your health. You may have just lost your job, but you still got your health. So look on the bright side. That's easy for me to say that when I'm standing in the sunshine. And everything's bright and everything's going good in my life. But let me have a cold, dark, dreary day. And let's see if I personally can find the bright side that I've been pointing people to. That I can apply that good cheer to my life. Do you ever notice how easy it is to give a prognosis for somebody else's problem? Right? I mean, it's easy. Do you know what's harder? Where it's harder is, is, is to write a prescription for your own pain. 
for what you're going through. It's the most difficult thing in the world to follow the advice that you've been given, the things to put into practice, the things that you've been telling your kids. It's the hardest thing to do in the world. How do you write a prescription? Think about this. For your own pain. How do you analyze your own agony? And so what we do is many times we get in so much pain that we don't want to feel anything anymore. Or we don't feel anything, so we want to feel something. And so we just start popping pills, popping pills. I remember a couple years ago, one of my friends, her she got her wisdom teeth taken out. And she was allergic to the pain medication the doctor was going to give her. So he said, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you to take Motrin. So she went home, and she started taking Motrin, and he said, take three pills every three hours. And so she was doing that, but the problem was, because she didn't have wisdom teeth, is she wasn't eating anything. So within a week, she took a whole bottle of Motrin, and she felt pretty good for a little bit. That took away her pain, but when she went back to the doctor, she found out she had stomach ulcers. And, and what was happening is she was feeling better for a minute, but she had created an internal problem. See, she could have died for this thing. She was killing herself on the inside to solve a problem that was relatively external. I wonder if sometimes we do the same things emotionally in our lives. Today. What we do is, is, is we just want to feel any kind of cheer. So we reach out for even that bad cheer. Just to make me feel better. But when you're not eating, guys, when you're not being nourished spiritually, kind of like those sailors I talked about in Acts 27, you can't take that stuff on an empty stomach, so now you're taking something to cure your pain, but actually now you're creating a bigger problem. You're tearing up your insides, and now you're, pers you're, you're providing a prescription for your own pain. You're taking a whole bottle of something just to fill something, never realizing that inside you're bleeding, and it all started when you just went for the, the bad cheer instead of the good cheer, that kind of cheer that feels good for a moment, but it sends you crashing down so hard. It, it's that kind of, that, that bad cheer. I'm talking about sometimes you're just like, you know what, I, I'm just going to start shopping with money I don't even have, with credit cards that I hear from so-and-so because it makes me feel good. But what happens is you already had so much debt, that's why you hit them. And now you're doing this because you went for some type of cheer. It wasn't the good cheer. It was the bad cheer. And now you're treating yourself with the bad cheer. And now it's causing, and you're called, we call it retail therapy. Girl, it makes me feel good. But it actually is causing, how can it be therapeutic? It's causing a worse problem. This is the bad cheer that I'm talking about. Listen, only Jesus can fix what we're going through and bring that real good cheer that we're looking for. He is the doctor. He is the great physician. Amen? Amen. So I was thinking about this. What makes a great physician a great physician? A good doctor a good doctor? Is it that they, they always tell you what you want to hear? Right? Like, man, I love my doctor. I mean, listen, he, he, he just always, he never tells me anything bad. I mean, I had cancer for nine months, and he never even told me. I just love my doctor. Does that make a good doctor? No. A, a, a good doctor is somebody that's going to be truthful from you and give you a truthful prognosis. 
right? I mean, Jesus told us the prognosis is you will have trouble in this world. It's going to get dark. There are going to be storms. You're going to wake up sometimes in the morning and feel depressed. You're going to feel set against yourself. But, Tharseo, be of good cheer. Here is my prescription. This is where we're going. When it comes over you, when the winds and waves start to rage, you only need to know that I have already overcome what's trying to come over you. So that now you can overcome. Tharseo. That's how you overcome. You get that good stuff. That good cheer. Listen, I'm talking about that good cheer in a bad situation because one time Jesus looked at a man who was paralyzed. <laughs> this dude was paralyzed on a mat. Couldn't move. And Jesus looked at him in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, and said, Son, be of good cheer. Are you kidding me right now? Be of good cheer. Have you not seen that I've been paralyzed my whole life? I'm in a situation that all these people, they just feel sorry for me. I feel sorry for myself. I mean, it'd be one thing if Jesus would have came up to him and healed him and then said, be of good cheer. Eventually, Jesus does heal him, but Jesus is trying to teach him something. He's trying to teach us something. He's saying, I don't want your cheer to be in your situational improvement because sometimes that just doesn't happen. That's a place where we can get that real cheer, that good cheer. See, your cheer is not tied to your situation. Come on, somebody. He wants you, your cheer to be tethered to truth so that even when it's dark in your life, there's still something shining on the inside of you. Come on. So be of good cheer. Not that temporary fix that comes from eating too much. And it makes you feel good for a moment. But then all of a sudden, man, you feel bad. Having to unbutton your pants and your belt buckle. Regretting all them Oreos that you just ate. That's the bad cheer. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It did feel good for a second. But that's not the Darceo stuff, okay? That's, that's what we want. We want that real stuff, not that complaining and allowing your negative emotions to control your mouth, and then you go after that person, and you tell them that stuff, and in the moment, you've been waiting to, because they, they've been telling you, and I'm telling you. And for a second after it was over, it felt good. He had that coming. Woo, man, I need to call so-and-so and tell them I finally did it. But then, after it all calms down, what happens? You realize it's bad cheer. And what did it do? You prescribed it to yourself, and now it's just causing a deeper problem. Now you're bleeding on the inside. Y'all see what I'm saying this morning? He wants us to have that good cheer, that Tharseo stuff, that good stuff. Tell somebody I want that good stuff. So how do you check it? How do you get that, that cheer up check because we're talking about this good physician, Jesus. And he gives us that proper prognosis. You're going to have trouble, okay? He gives us that. And then he says, there is the prescription. God says, the problem for many of us is we've been going on, right, the uh, WebMD spiritually trying to figure out what's wrong with us. A lot of us do this. 
like, I, I think it's this, and I think it's that. And then well, many of us, you know, we, we, we start to get to a place where we're like, well, it's like, but it's really not that. And then we look over here, and it's, it's really not this. And, 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 and then we start giving people, you know, our own advice to them about what they, we think they're going through. And we're not even looking at what we're doing. And what we've lost is perspective. Everybody say perspective. perspective. You see, pain causes you to personally lose perspective. Pain causes you to OD on stuff that you know better than to touch, than to do. You know what else pain causes you to do? It causes you to treat the wrong areas. I remember a couple years ago, I was having this horrible back pain, so I went to get a massage. And I sit down, and the lady says, what do you want me to work on? And I said, well, I have this horrible back pain. And so she started messing around and fooling around, and she said, Oh, no, that's not the problem. She said, the problem is in your neck. I said, woman, I feel it in my back. <laughs> Work on my back. She said, no, here's the thing. It's called referral pain. And she said, now, I can work on what you're telling me to work on, but that's not the source of where the, that's not the real problem. Now, if you want me to fix this, I can work on your neck. And it'll fix what's going on over here. And this is what I'm talking about this morning. Our pain causes us to treat the wrong areas. And so we're over here dealing with, man, I have a real problem with my mouth. Or I have a real problem over here with my temper. Or, man, I have a spending problem. And that's, not, that's referral pain. The doctor wants to start to deal. The real problem is in your heart. Because we heard last week. That's where everything, the issues of life, flow from it, right? So how do you do a cheer-up checkup? Two quick things we're going to talk about this morning. How do you do a cheer-up checkup so your kids don't have to be raised by orchids? <laughs> your spouses don't have to walk around tiptoeing around with a relationship with an orchid. We can have some oak trees up in this church, amen? amen. The first step is very simple. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Number one, check your countenance. Check your countenance. I'm talking about your literal, physical expression. <laughs> your face. How's your face look? Right? I mean, there, there's something that I've been paying attention to lately, and it's everybody's default demeanor. Because we all have a resting face. Right? I'm going to put this picture up on the screen for you. And these are just silly emojis that people send through text messages. But if I was to ask your significant other this morning, what is your significant other's resting face? What would they say it would be? That you just smile a lot. That you're happy. Uh-oh, I see y'all pointing. Yeah. The one with the scowl. Listen, I, I, I've been told that we all have a resting heart rate, but we also have a resting facial expression. Some people's aren't very good, and it's called RBF. I'll let y'all go find out what that means. But when you're not thinking about it, when you're not paying attention, which one of these faces looks like your demeanor, your face? Now listen. When I'm preaching, I'm telling you, 
I can tell you which face represents your resting demeanor. And for a lot of you, you say, oh, it's that happy face up there. But I am so not sure that's what it is. Because when I look out, I really don't see a lot of happy faces all the time. I don't see a lot of good cheer. In fact, there's a scripture in the book of Jeremiah that for years I thought, man, I don't understand what that is. But God is calling Jeremiah to be a minister, and he's speaking to him. And I'll put it up on the screen for you. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8. And God says this to Jeremiah. Do not be afraid of their faces. And when I became a pastor, that really ministered to me. Because sometimes it's just hard to preach to you guys. I'll tell you a little background. When I was in elementary school, there was a kid in the grade above me. And he was a bully. And he just picked me out and he started bullying me every day. And so I just, something inside me said, listen, I got to start, you know, sticking up for myself. And I just told, I just said, listen, I just got to start changing my face, man. I got to start coming to school, you know, with a little, like a mean mug on. You know what I'm saying? I got to start putting a little scowl on like I got a brick in my backpack, man. Like, you never know what I'm going to do. Like, people don't want to mess with me. You know what I'm saying? And this is, so most of you guys here at the church, when you come and sit down, look like you got a brick in your backpack. Like somebody, like I don't want to fight with you right now. That's what I'm asking you. What does your face look like? Do you have a harsh countenance? What I, what I want you to try to experiment this next week is, is, is this. Change your facial expressions. Maybe your emotions can be tricked by your face. I want you to force your face to have a better facial expressions. What you're going to find out is that your emotions are not that smart. You can lead them where you want them to go. If you would just start smiling more, I'm talking about forcing yourself to smile when you're in a difficult situation, when you are in a bad mood, when you feel anxiety coming on you, and you just... <laughs> make yourself smile. Try it. When you are in a bad mood, it's so easy. Just smile. Put a smile on your face. It, it's, it's not hard. You'll find out that when you put a different look on your face, it sends a different signal to your soul. It's just like saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, but it just looks like this. <laughs> It's sending a signal to your soul. We're not just going to get through this. We're not just going to survive. We're going to thrive. <laughs> I, I, I listen, you can ask Lisa. I've been doing this for years now. Challenging myself to just smile more. To just smile more. And yesterday, I went to go get my, my flight fixed. And I walked in, and I was just smiling because I, I was studying up, and I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> preach, you know, practice what I preach. And I, and I walked in, and the dude that changed my tire was not in a good mood, and the, the dude that was, like, in charge of everything was not in a good mood, and the cash register lady was definitely not in a good mood. And so I just sit there, and she looked at me, and I just smiled at her. And she said, what are you smiling at? And I said, I just told her, I said, look, I have made it like a goal of my life just to smile more. And I have found that when I smile, 
most of the time, like over 90% of the time, people would just smile back at me. And I smiled at her. You know what she did? She smiled right back at me. She said, you know what, I'm going to give you a discount. And she gave me a discount on my tire. <laughs> Get my tire fixed. And all I did was smile. That's all I did. It's not a big thing. But here's the thing. It's really not a small thing. Because in Scripture, your countenance is a huge deal to God. Number six is the blessing that God gave to the priests in the Old Covenant to speak over the people. And you'll, this will probably sound familiar to a lot of you. But in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, the priests would say this over the people in the Old Covenant. The Lord bless you. And keep you. That's all. That's all love. That's awesome, right? Then they would say this: The Lord make His face shine upon you. And I guarantee you, if you realize that God's face was shining on you, it couldn't help it. But your face would start to shine on some people. Okay. And then, then He says this: His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And then they would say this: The Lord lift up his countenance. Now that's up to interpretation. How do you think that God looks at you? What is his countenance? How does God look at you? Because listen, here, here's the thing. I have found that even with my children, like the other day, Kennedy and I were just messing around and I did something and she did not like it. And she, Kennedy is the king, is the queen of these facial expressions, these mean, just mad, she's mad. And I just looked at her and I said, Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. And all I did was smile at her. And she went from this to this. And what I've learned over years and years of my life is that we become what we behold. We become what we behold. And I have the power as a parent to whatever my children are beholding in me, they are going to become. It was as simple as me giving a smile and all of a sudden it changing her. But when we start to talk about the Lord lift up his countenance upon us, for some of you, that's kind of scary. And that's so sad to me. Because you've believed a lie about God. God is love. He's not looking at you with a brick in his backpack. Ever. Ever. He's given us ministry of reconciliation. That while we were still in the wrong, still yet sinners, he went ahead of us. Amen. And did everything. Through his love. So Listen. When it says, may he make his face shine upon you and lift up his countenance upon you, I realize that the way that you look at life is a direct reflection of the way that you think that God is looking at you. Think about that for a second. Put it up on the screen for you. The way that you look at life is a direct reflection of the way that you think that God is looking at you. So if you think God is harsh, how do you think that you're going to look at life and go through life? That's why a lot of you have that face all the time. Right? If you think God is unforgiving, guess how you're going to look at life? Guess how you're going to look at yourself? You're never going to forgive yourself. 
Guess how you're going to deal with your spouse or your, uh, your kids? I mean, it's going to be unforgiven. If you think God is judgmental, if he is, basic, is shining upon his countenances upon you with a judgmental, harsh face, you're going to be judgmental. You're going to be depressed, anxious all the time. Listen, I, when I was in college, I remember going to my friend's house. And it was him and his dad that were there, and they were putting some stuff together in the kitchen. And I told my friend, I said, man, it is so crazy that y'all look so much alike. You have the same smile. And I just met this guy in, in college. I didn't know that much about him, his background. He said, you know what's crazy, Kevin, is this isn't my birth dad. I'm adopted. And I said, that is so crazy that you can be around somebody so much that their countenance actually becomes your countenance, even if you're not related. Have you seen these old couples that have been together for so long just looking at each other's face and now they start looking alike? How does that happen? It's because you become what you behold. And I'm going to tell you that you cannot spend time with God and it not change your face. For good or for bad, however you perceive him to be, amen? You can't spend time having God shine down on you and not change your countenance. Paul, in the New Covenant, in 2 Corinthians verse 4, chapter 6, in his letter, writes this. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine now in our hearts to give us the light of his knowledge of God's glory, displayed in the face, the countenance of Christ. Do you know what you need this week? You need to get in God's face. Come on, somebody. You need to get in his presence. You need to spend some time in his countenance. You've got to stop spending your time taking your cues from negative people and get in the face of a loving God. Come on, somebody who loved you and died for you and allow his countenance to shine upon you and he will lift you up. He will lift your countenance up. He will give you peace and when you're getting Black fixed, you will smile. You'll just smile. In any situation, God's wanting you to turn your frown upside down. Look at look right now and just look around and look at somebody in the exchange church. Look at their faces and say, come on, if God loves you, look like it. Come on, if you're redeemed, look like it. Tell somebody if you're blessed, look like it. Let it get up in your face. And the last point is this. You're going to have a cheer-up checkup. Get that cheer, that good cheer, that good stuff, that Tharseo stuff. Number two, check your circulation. Ooh, this, is a, this one is so good. This was a, please, 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 please hear this one and apply this. Change your life forever. And it's so simple, just like the first one. This is so simple. But Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13 says this, a merry heart, everybody say heart. Okay, think about that. That's important. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. That's what we're talking about this morning. How do you get that, that good cheer, that Tharseo stuff? Well, it's a merry heart, right? But in, con in contrast, by sorrow of the heart, so a sorrowful heart, your spirit is broken. It's that sad count. It's that anxiousness, that, that harshness, right? If you remember last week, we talked about, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything flows from your what? 
heart, right? And we, we talked about that. And, and, and this week, God started directing me to talk about your countenance. And I thought, what does your countenance have to do with your heart? And then God took me to Proverbs chapter 15. And he says, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. Because listen, everything flows from your heart. Everything flows from your heart. The world's definition of happiness and cheer and joy is based on what flows to you, though. If I can get this stuff, then I'll be happy. If I can be with this person, then I'll be happy. If I can get this money, if I can get this job, that's how joy is produced. But in the kingdom of God, God's definition, joy, has much more to do, not with what's coming to you, but what flows from you. Oh, man, please write that down. Please get what I'm saying. Everything flows from your heart. And a, and a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. So the next time that you're down and you don't have cheer, check your circulation. You don't know what that means yet, but you're going you're gonna to know what that means. See, there's no life without circulation. Think about, like, just physical life. <laughs> if your heart stops circulating blood because life comes Everything, life flows from your actual heart. Physically. Right? And it circulates. And if it stops circulating, there's no life. Right? Okay? So, it's the same thing spiritually. Did you know that the blood in your body makes a round trip through your entire body every 60 seconds? Every minute. It goes from your heart down to the tips of your toes to your fingers even to your brain, every time your blood leaves your heart, it's coming back in one minute. Every 60 seconds, your heart is pumping out life, pumping out blood through your body to do its job to sustain your life, and it says to the blood, I'll see you in a minute. You're coming back. And if it doesn't come back, Houston, we, we got a problem. We got some trouble, right? So now you're wondering, why have I been so down? Why have I been so depressed? Why have I been discouraged? Why, you know, have I just been going through life and my countenance is down? Could it be that you have cut off your own circulation? Could it be that God is putting all of this life on the inside of you, but recently nothing has been flowing out of you and you have cut off your own cheer? You've cut off your own joy. To check your circulation, you have to ask yourself, is it possible that I am down, not because of something that I'm not getting, but instead of something that I'm not giving? You see, when you need encouragement, the prescription for your pain is to give encouragement. And I know you don't want to do that. I know that sucks. It just does. I just want somebody to encourage me because nobody encourages me. Jack, you better realize who is on the inside of you and make a phone call. Write a text. Go see somebody face-to-face -face who is depressed and anxious and start to encourage them. Start something in circulation. Man. There's a scripture for years I used to say this is about money. This is about money. Because it was taught to me. This is about money. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Woo! Come on. You need some money? Give, and it will be given today. Give today. 
It's going to be given good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But that scripture is not necessarily talking about money because in verse 37, in context, Jesus says, don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and it will be forgiven. And then he says this. After he says forgive and it will be forgiven, then he says give and it will be given to you. What is it? Whatever you're giving. Whatever you're putting into circulation. So I ask you today, what are you putting into circulation in your life? You're down. You have no cheer. Well, you've got to start putting something into circulation. You've got to start putting something out there. If you put bitterness into circulation, then guess what's coming back into your heart? The same bitterness that you put out because... It goes out and it comes back in. It goes out and it comes back in. You're drowning in the very thing that you delivered into your own system. Think about this. I've realized this in my own life. I've realized that I don't, if I don't like what I've been getting, then I need to start to change what I've been giving. I've got to put the right things into circulation in my marriage, into my relationship with my kids, into, my, into everything so that what? I can be encouraged myself. I've got to let the right things start to flow from my life. If I don't like what I've been getting, then I've got to change what I've been giving. I've got to get a new flow. Tell, tell somebody, get a new flow. Get a new flow. Get a new flow. You may be here today with no cheer, with no joy, and today you start to realize that if you want to change what you've been getting, then you need to change what you've been giving. You've got to stop blaming these people for what happened to you. Listen, I know it was wrong. And I know it happened 14 years ago, and it was awful. But 14 years is too long to be holding on to this stuff. Amen. That's right. It's not hurting them anymore. Right. The only person that is hurting you, it's time to put something else into circulation. Yes. It's, time, it's time to get some, a new flow out there. Your heart is not cheerful, not because of what you didn't get, because of right now you're cutting off your own circulation of what you're not giving and if you'll start to give if you'll start to circulate something new it will come back to you god will bring it back to you i'm talking about that good cheer that you need but you've got to give it first is it possible that what you need is to give what you need it's really simple it's really simple guys my pastor years ago used to say this to lisa and i when I was my first uh, youth pastor job, he would say this every day. She just said, find a need, meet that need at any cost, and your need will be met. Amen. I remember I was like 22 when he told me that. I just was dumb enough to start doing that. I just believed him. I just took him at his word, and it's true. It happens, God. Did you know that when you come to church, you create circulation? And I'll ask the worship team to come up here and, and help me close. You do. Right? Like when the worship team starts playing and you just don't feel it. I'm just feeling it down. And I don't like this song. And it's too cold or it's too hot. And you know what? I'm just carrying a brick in my backpack. And I'm just this and that. And all of a sudden, just the choice to come here was to create the choice to start a new circulation. Right? When I started that song, I chose to start that song earlier today. You remember that? I saw y'all start. Oh, some of y'all started smiling. I remember that Right? Woo! You're like, right? Man, I remember one time, and y'all are going to think I'm crazy. 
But I was in a, I was in a moment, I felt like that song was ministering to me, like from God. Like he was saying, there's nothing, there's no mountain that will keep me from you. I was like, that's right here. <laughs> I crawled him on. Why? Because I put something new into circulation. And when you come here, when you come to church, I'm telling you, you start to create something new. Your joy starts to come out when you, you come here and, and, and Pastor Jared's preaching and you say amen. That amen is putting something new into circulation. When you give, when you yourself have a need, when you hug somebody, when you yourself are the one that really needs a hug, when you lift somebody's head, when you're the one whose countenance is down, come on, somebody. The word of God says, it shall come back to you. Come on, circulation, press down, shaking together, good measure, and running over. You want some, you want some good cheer running over? Come on, you want some good cheer running over? Then you got to start running something new out into circulation. Could it be that you've been cutting off your circulation? Feeling sorry for yourself, mean mugging all the time. It's simple. Just smile. And whatever need that you have, go meet that need of somebody else. Put it into circulation, and it'll come back to you. It's real simple. And you get the good stuff. That in the middle of the worst situation of your life, the most difficult storm, you're smiling. And people say, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why do you have peace in the storm? Why do you have joy in the middle of all of this stuff that's going on? And you just get to tell your story. Man, two weeks ago, when the men got together in that back room, Kali started talking about his story, talking about how God brought his wife into his life. Man, you should have seen his face just brighten up, man. He started talking about his kids, just sharing his story, talking about the story of the circulation, the story that he had a countenance on him. And there's a young man next to him that's really wanting to get to that place that he's in. And he's just like, man, I wonder, how do I get that? So we just start talking about, hey, listen, take this step and do these things, man. And this is just how it works out. And it's really not that hard. We just make it more difficult with all of our negative emotions, right? So stand to your feet this morning. I want to encourage you this morning to ask yourself today and sometime this week, write it, put it a, a, a little, a little alarm on your phone. Maybe for Monday at 10:30 in the morning, it goes off and it just says, "What are you putting into circulation?" And then Tuesday, Tuesday at 9:30. And all it says is, just reminding you to smile today. <laughs> and then on Wednesday, an alarm at 
7.30 at night. Find somebody's need and meet that need. Put something into circulation. Whatever you need, go give what you need. Put into circulation. Just be intentional about this stuff, man. Right? Man, it's good. But listen.